Welcome to the Mind on My Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCrady and Pinnacle Trust financial guru Martin Palomo, the Mind on My Money podcast tackles the financial questions we're all thinking about. From paying for college to saving for retirement, from life insurance needs to 401ks and everything in between. The goal is to help you take the stress out of financial concerns and give you some tips to enjoy life while your mind is on your money. Now here are your hosts, Neil McCrady and Martin Paloma. Welcome to another edition of Mind on My Money presented by Pinnacle Trust. I'm your host, Neil McCrady. Uh, today on the show, Martin Palomo joins me as always, and Clayton Wall joins from Seattle. He's been uh, hanging out with Chaz and Chop and all the people there in Seattle. He's been been uh, turning into a, a, a militant uh, out there, figuring out, changing, changing the world, forming a new country. He's been busy, <laughs> been busy, Clayton has. So no, in all seriousness, he he is based in Seattle, and he's kind of observed that story, and, and we're gonna get his thoughts about it because he's kind of gone over there and checked it out. I'm curious to see just how much you can check it out. He looks like he's in one piece right now. We're on a Zoom call, and I don't I don't see any any uh, lacerations or broken bones or he appears casts to have or all his limbs. <laughs> he appears everything appears to be where it's supposed to be at this at this moment. So we'll we'll find out exactly what that is. Uh, first, let me tell you, I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios, Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900s. That number, call it, ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's that simple. It's right to the bottom line. No hassle, no haggle. You get your quote. The rest is up to you. Corey, all he says, he wants to be your car guy and he wants to be your truck guy. And he'll prove to you what that means when you make the call, 662-257-1900. And Martin, tell the people about Pinnacle Trust. Indeed. Um, all of our listeners are are pretty well versed in it, but for any of our new guys or folks who've just joined us to hear Clayton talk about his experience in the chop uh, or Chaz or, or whichever it may be um, today, uh, you know, Stacy started Pinnacle uh, a little more than 20 years ago uh, to put really to put clients and their advisor on the same side of the table. Uh, it's in our client's best interest to, uh, protect and grow their savings, which is also in alignment <clears throat> with very selfishly our best interests. So uh, our earnings are tied to uh, to clients' portfolios. So is in our best interest to protect and grow our our clients' savings. Uh, been a lot of ups and downs in the last three four months. And if you've been doing it on your own and your stomach is in knots, or you uh, haven't had a great experience with your current team, uh, give us an opportunity. Uh, call us six zero one nine five seven. 0323. Uh, you can reach us uh, through email at info at pinntrust.com. Uh, we are also very active on Facebook, Twitter. You can uh, search us Pinnacle Trust or the podcast, uh, Mind on My Money podcast. And if you do me a favor, um, I'm really embarrassed about our Mind on My Money Instagram page. Uh, we have less likes than my age. Not really. We have a few more followers than than my age, but uh, we are trying to build our following there. We have about 25 times the amount of Facebook fans as we do Instagram followers. So go over to Instagram, search us uh, MOMM Podcast 97, or you can just search Mind on My Money and give us a follow. Uh, we are building that audience there too. Uh, but anyway, 601 957 to reach us or info at PINNTrust.com. Um, Clayton, welcome into the show. Nice to have you. Indeed. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Hope, uh, your, your families are happy and healthy during what is a, a weird time. We've talked a lot about what the environment is like in, in obviously in Mississippi. What, what is the, well, I'm kind of curious with the, just the COVID environment for a minute. What's the COVID environment like in Seattle? I know this, this thing sort of started there in the, in the States at least. And, and then. Uh, it shifted to so much of the focus in New York and, and other parts of the country, but what's it like now? Yeah, that's a, it's, a, it's, it's an interesting dynamic. There's no question about it. I think uh, when, when, it, when it started out here, and obviously the, the outbreak, like you mentioned, in the United States uh, epicenter was, was kind of here in Seattle, it, it, was, it was a little bit scary, I think, you know, because it was just now getting, uh, getting going, I guess, in, in our country. And uh, you just didn't know how bad it was going to get. You know, it's it's kind of weird to think back on those times. I don't know if it feels like 50 years ago for 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 you guys, but it does for me. Yep. <laughs> with, uh, with with 
with how weird time has been to, been moving lately. But, uh, but yeah, it was a little bit scary from the jump, uh, to be honest with you. You just didn't know how bad it was going to get. You didn't know how it was going to spread. At that time, bars and restaurants, you know, everything was still open. Really, there hadn't been a, uh, a countrywide protocol for, for shutting things down or quarantining or, or anything of that nature at that point in time. But uh, fortunately, uh, we're doing a lot better up here now. I think bars and restaurants have started to open back up, which is really exciting. Uh, limited capacity. I think we were, you know, uh, one of the first to get widespread testing to a certain degree. I don't know how widespread, but widespread testing going. And I think that, uh, you know, fortunately the folks up here have, for the most part, outside of what you see in the, the media and the news have respected uh, the social distancing rules quite a bit and done their part in uh, trying to, to, to help not spread this, this nasty thing. So this Chaz thing, <laughs> when when was the first time that <laughs> when was the first time this thing popped up on your radar because i re, i mean I, like you said i mean all jokes aside the last four months have been insane it's upside and down world so, man and someone will say do you remember when and it's like was that in like may and may feels like it was a, a couple of years ago and someone goes no no that was in april and you're like oh wow man i don't i don't remember april <laughs> yeah, too far away <laughs> when, when when did the uh when did the Chaz thing first pop up on on your radar and in some of the conversations that you have there yeah it's a good question neil i was actually out on the golf course with a buddy believe it or not and uh and he brought it up and at the time it was called Chaz, like you mentioned which for those that don't know stands for Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. And uh, at, at the time it was called Chaz and he was asking me about it. He said, man, have you been over and seen Chaz? And I'm like, I'm thinking there's a mutual friend that I did, you know, that I'm not putting two and two together. Like, do we know a guy named Chaz? Like, no, I haven't been to see Chaz. What are you talking about? I mean, that, I kind of had my head in the sand a little bit, but it was right when it was starting up. I don't think the media had quite picked up on it. My buddy happens to live down in Capitol Hill. So he was really right uh in, in the epicenter and, and he was just telling me all about it that it's a a uh, autonomous zone no police presence about i think it's about a six block radius uh radius and they've got three main demands it sounds like uh one of them and, and they're on signs everywhere you know I'll, I'll talk more about my experience walking around in there in a second but the three main demands that are on signs everywhere uh defund the police department by 50 percent is one uh, invest in, in black communities and, and free all protesters. I guess that those that have been uh, uh, in, put, in, put behind bars because of actions during the protest. Those are the three main demands that are rampant everywhere around what is now called, called the CHOP. Yeah, I'm wondering too with the just the Chaz to CHOP stuff. <clears throat> you know, I, I wonder if it's because, you know, there was the if they call themselves an autonomous zone, that is essentially separating themselves from the United States. Uh, and I guess with CHOP, what, what does the O stand for? Occupy. CHOP is occupying ca protest. Capital yeah. occupied. Yeah. Protest. Then, then they're not saying they are seceding from the, from the United States. And I don't know if that's true or not. It made sense to me from a logical standpoint, but I guess they realize that they, they don't need to secede from the United States if they're going to make demands to the U S yeah. Well, I mean, I had to go check it out for myself. You know, I was Absolutely. like, this is what is a historical moment, you know, in, in my backyard. And I know I'm sure, you know, our kids will be, will be studying this in school or, you know, for, for years. But so I was like, I gotta go check this out just to say I did it. I have a, 12 week old golden retriever puppy and i had the bright genius idea of taking him down to chaz or chop with me uh which was which was which was a very interesting experience as you might imagine the crowd there uh i'd say is uh when i was there it was extremely peaceful it was very laid back i was surprised by that i couldn't walk more than 10 feet without getting asked to, to, to pet my, my little puppy. So that was a mistake trying to bring him and walk through this, 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 this protest zone. But, uh, but it was an interesting experience. So it was extremely peaceful when I was there, to be honest with you. And I really so you were there. Really what what time back. of the, what time of the day were you, 
Were you there? Great point. So I was there a couple of points on that. I was there before the shooting started happening. So I went, I think there was three shootings over the weekend and, and I went the middle of last week, probably uh, right around late afternoon, uh, five o'clock, five thirty, six o'clock. Lots of people were winding down. I think it had long nights and we're kind of maybe just waking up or, or just getting going. But uh, a lot of just, it, you know what it reminded me of? The smells, the views, uh, the food, everything reminded me of a music festival. I was going to say, no was it like music. widespread panic, but like six blocks of panic? Yeah, I'm not as as uh, as probably into widespread panic as you, as I would imagine you are, Martin. So I, I don't know. I've never I've never experienced that. But no, no comment. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it, it was. It, it, I imagine it was probably similar similar to that. Lots of tents. Lots of people sitting in lawn chairs, uh, enjoying their uh, their, their drug of choice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's right. So, so at this point, are you in inside chop or are you on the perimeter of chop? No, I went, I went right in the heart. And so it's chop is built around, um, a, a, a park, right. That's in the dead center of it. It's a, it's a pretty, pretty large park. And so if you can imagine, there's a, there's a square block radius around chop, um, very few businesses and very few restaurants, thankfully are inside. Yeah, I was going uh, to ask that, but I'll let you finish and we can, yeah, yeah. Circle back we can talk. Yeah, for sure. But uh, there's a park in the middle and the park is kind of the epicenter. Um, I actually talked to some volunteers. There were tons of volunteers and I talked to some volunteers just to ask like, hey, what happens if there is violence? You know, what, what, what's the, what's the protocol? What happens if somebody's, you know, needs medical attention? And the answer I got was there hasn't been any violence uh, pulling the since the police left. Uh, it's been, peaceful outside of a couple of screening matches where other folks were able to calm, calm, calm each other down. And then the second is they've actually got volunteer professional uh, doctors and medics that are stationed in a tent or were stationed in a tent down in shop that are, that are there to assist uh, anybody who might need, might need medical attention. I thought that that was really interesting for sure. So since then there's been a, there's been violence, as you said, there's been a death. I know that Seattle's mayor is under a, a tremendous amount of pressure to dismantle chop. Where does I'm that, glad I'm not her. <laughs> what, what, what are you hearing there? What, what is that environment like? I mean, I was just, I've read stuff on Twitter from people who are, you know, kind of stuck inside chop because they have places that are, that are there. And I mean, there's, there's like, there's, there's real concern still on the part of, of citizens that, Hey, am I safe here? And there's a, I, Seems to be a consensus among people there that perhaps they're not, but you, you've been there. You have a much better feel for it than I do. Yeah, right. I think that uh, I think it's a good question, Neil. Honestly, you know, there's a part of me, I guess, being in my generation, a little bit more moderate, that understands some of the demands, understands that maybe there's a way to get, uh, you know, social workers or security, unarmed police, you know, going towards some of these. Uh, less violent crimes, you know, homeless people on the street or uh, domestic violence, or I think that, you know, some of these, some of these ideas are good. Do I think that, you know, having no sort of authority or no sort of police presence whatsoever is a good idea? No. And to answer your question, I feel for those people because while there's not a ton of restaurants and businesses that are inside a shop, there are a lot of residents on the outskirts, on the streets, you know, it's all homes. It, 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 it's all condominiums or apartments or or homes and i do i was thinking of those people as i'm walking around looking at those houses these, these are normal people and uh who may or may not be involved in the protest or want to be involved in the protest whatsoever and to to have three shootings over the weekend has to be a terrifying uh terrifying experience to wonder if they're safe i have read that, that the crowd is down 25 percent um since you know some of the violence that's occurred over the weekend i think some people are, are kind of starting to flock out yeah there's a a post on on Twitter. The, it, it reads, "My mother has a dear friend who lives on Capitol Hill in the Chaz area. She called her today if she, to see if she is okay. She is not. They are banging on doors and demanding food, and for the residents to order them food. If the residents don't give them what they want, their houses are being spray painted. They're pooping on their lawns. The garbage trucks have not been let in. The mail has not been let in. Where are the rights of these 
residence. My mom's friend is in her mid seventies, has lived in this house her entire adult life and loves her community. She's sobbing on the phone to my mom. She's scared and has no recourse. If something were to happen to someone in that area, would they let an ambulance in? And those are all pretty great questions. Yeah. yeah great questions, valid concerns. Yeah, for sure. Uh, from, 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 from what I witnessed, I mean, I, I, I empathize with that. I understand that. I think that, uh, you know, when I was there, it was peaceful, but man, there wasn't any way or anywhere that an ambulance was getting up in there. All the roads are completely blocked off, uh, you know, and they really are doing a work, doing a really good, a really good job of keeping uh, any sort of authority outside of that, that autonomous zone. So, I mean, I wonder, like, in the case of ambulances, I know you said they had like volunteer medics and stuff, and I know you may not know the answer to this question. So if they have it blocked off and an ambulance, you know, can't get in there for someone who has, you know, a, a medical issue that some of the, the volunteers couldn't take place, are the, the, the like barricades, are they movable to let an ambulance in there or are they like the concrete? Cause I've seen, you know, and I don't know what you what you believe on. You know, I don't know how many different ways there are into you can get into the the area or, or not. I don't know if you know, some of them are barricaded, some of them is a fence that you could just easily open. But I would think that there would need to at least be. So I mean, what what the hell, what happens if a building catches on fire? You just <laughs> does it just burn? It's a good question that I think you know. While many of the protesters had their hearts in the right place potentially with with starting this, I don't know that they. That they had their their heads in the right place and, and thought through all of these things, sure. Martin. I, you know, I think it's a good question. But to answer your question, it it, it is movable. There there are certainly what you know places where, I guess if, if if you really had to, you could get something in there. I think the problem would be people would would stand in the way. I you yeah. know I was reading this morning that the you know that they were the, the protesters were locked uh, arm in arm, you know at the at the possibility of police re-entering the, the precinct that is uh, located inside that zone. That's what happened the other night when the, the, the guy died. The ambulances yep. would, wouldn't go in. Yep. Didn't feel like, you know, the police couldn't get in to secure the area, so the ambulances didn't uh, go in because they didn't feel that they were secure enough to go in, and there was a, nothing they could do. Yeah, that, I didn't even think about that, Neil, but that's a that's a fair point. I think there's a – I have a buddy that's a firefighter here, and um, I know he's talked about it several times, and when they've had to go into some – you know, sketchy parts of, of Jackson, uh, fire has to wait on police to secure the scene before they can get in or, or AMR or, or the ambulance service can get in. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I, the, the plan that was given to me by the, by the, by one of the volunteers that I talked with for a while was from a medical standpoint, there really was no plan from a, from a, from a police standpoint, from a medical standpoint, uh, one of the volunteer medics would treat uh, the person who was in need of attention on site. And if it got to the point, obviously like the shooting over the weekend where they needed more attention uh, than what they were able to provide right there on the premises, then those, those volunteer medics would transport them. Uh, I don't know by stretcher or, or what outside of the zone and into a hospital. That, that was kind of the plan that they, that they had in place uh, for, for, for health, health concerns. So did they talk about any like long, did they talk about any long-term plans for, for like governance, not government, but governance of how they, you know, are going to maintain or, or what the, what, even what is the, what was their plan long-term? Was it just to occupy that area indefinitely or was it just till their demands are met or did that, was there any talk of that? I'm just out of curiosity. No, it's a good question, and 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 you know I want to be uh, cognizant of, of how I respond because as I said earlier, I think that uh, the hearts are in the right place. That there's a lot of good ideas and a lot of good to be uh, to be frank that's stemming from some of these protests across the world and, and potentially from shop outside of the shootings over the weekend. But uh, to be frank, Martin, I don't think they had a long-term plan. I don't think that that this was something that uh, at least from the jump was very was very thought through from a strategic long-term vantage point it started i don't know if you know the roots of it it started there's a there's a police precinct in the middle of this zone um called the seattle police precinct and it started by protesters violently you know uh taking that over and the police were actually forced to evacuate that that precinct 
protesters renamed it literally they they've got it crossed out and renamed the seattle people's precinct instead of police precinct and that's kind of the epicenter of this zone uh and 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 how this started the zone kind of built you know outside a, a radius from from there um so i don't know that there was a real a real long-term plan from the start i'm sure somebody could articulate one for you now um but to answer your question shortly i i don't think there's much of a long-term plan i've i've seen the photos of and the video of uh his name is i think his name is raz he is the uh he's the kind of police if you will in quotes presence in seattle he's been passing right. out He's been passing out AR-15s out of his Tesla. Uh, a lot of people there are armed. When you were going through, did, how, how many people did you see who were openly carrying? Nobody. It's, it's, it's really interesting to see the difference, Neil, and what uh, and what I've seen on television versus what I saw in real life. On television, I think that uh, reporters, you know, are doing their job, journalism, doing their job of finding and reporting on that stuff. When I was there walking around and I was there for a good solid three hours, just walking around, man, I never felt um, unsafe, to be honest with you. It, 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 don't get me wrong. It's not an environment that I would want, you know, my daughter to go hang out in by herself all day long. Right. But, you know, me, I, I felt fine walking around. I felt safe. People were generally nice. Um, the crowd's a little rough. I think it has become kind of a place uh for for the homeless population to to link up and and and, and hang out uh as well I just, I just want to interrupt to make sure that i'm not misinterpreting what you're saying there's there's no part of you that is even intimating that it's possible that the media perhaps is <laughs> is is misrepresenting a reality i want to make sure that's not what you're saying before i i just lose my mind and go ballistic or something the media i think over the last four months has had perhaps the greatest run in in media history in terms of accuracy, integrity, <laughs> uh, uh, just ethics, yeah. and and for you to even intimate for just a moment that they've misrepresented even a portion of what might have happened in in, in Seattle is <laughs> Aldera, right? Aldera. I'll tell I'm, you what they have had a good run I'm in. A is little, money. I'm a little triggered. I'm a little triggered right now. <laughs> I know you're in that business, Neil. I apologize. I tell you what, they have had a good a good run in as dollar signs. Yeah. Uh, over the last they backed the, last the truck months. up a lot and of clicks. Yeah. yeah, a lot of a lot of clicks and uh, a lot of views. But no, Neil, it's a great point because you know being there in person, there's a lot of things that I could have taken a picture of. A lot of things that you know I could have isolated and and in isolation built you know a narrative or a story around that um, that that would tell what is it either an exaggerate, maybe not inaccurate, but exaggerated or hyperbolic story of what was actually going on. Most, you know, in, in, in a lot of different corners, you know, some cultures might find this hilarious to me. It was, it was cool, like kind of weird, but cool. They had, uh, uh, conversation cafes set up inside the, uh, the autonomous zone where people had literally brought their like donated couches and they're like couches sitting on the street you know, kind of with tables in the middle, it looked like a little coffee shop. I mean, and it had a sign that said conversation cafe, please sit down, have a cup of coffee and have a conversation with your neighbor about how we can end systematic racism. Things like that to me are, are very unique and, and kind of cool. And I think it's unfortunate that, uh, that, you know, obviously there, there, there has taken a little bit of a violent turn in the, in the last few days, but anytime you, you, you throw adults, uh, and, and 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 uh, illegal or legal or illegal substances <laughs> together, uh, and, and it, it it usually usually doesn't turn out uh, with with the most positive outcome. Yeah, unless they're pot smokers, man. Because I mean, I've I've seen a lot of crazy stuff, but I've never seen two dudes that are so blazed and high from smoking pot just throw fists at each other. You know, usually they just get the munchies and maybe they go sit at the. Go on the sleep. couches yeah. and yeah. have yeah. a conversation and play video games. I mean, right. that's just my observation, right. at least. Yeah. How, how much media did you see, Clayton? It's a really good question, Neil. Not a lot. I think that the uh, the little bit of media that I did see, I won't name the publication, but they were on the they were they were on the outskirts of the zone, kind of trying to work their way in, and it was very apparent that they were not welcome, and not in a violent way, but. Uh, a lot of people surrounding them, asking them questions. 
a lot of people asking them to put their camera away. That brings up another thought, Neil. There's signs everywhere inside the zone, no pictures, no videos, uh, you know, everywhere. I took a bunch of pictures, but I always made sure to, to ask a volunteer, uh, you know, who are very clearly marked in, in shirts that say volunteer, to ask a volunteer, hey, is it okay if I take a picture of this or uh, something of that nature before before I before I just went filming because there's there there was a ton of signs everywhere and I think that that maybe is 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 obviously to discourage a, a strong media presence but I didn't see a lot which is which is interesting. Yeah, most of what I've seen, you know, of course on the internet is is has not been mostly media. It's been you know individuals with their phones. Um, I did right. run across a video of uh, it was a local Fox. And not not Fox News like the media outlet. It was a local Fox channel, like you know right. Jackson. It's Fox Forty. I don't know what it is in Seattle, maybe Twenty Nine or something like that. Um, yeah. And I watched. Uh, I did see a video. They were they they were very much adamant that that they didn't video and did. And of course, she was not complying and telling her cameraman keep rolling, keep rolling, keep rolling as they were escorting escorting them out of the zone. Um, you know, and, and I don't think they did anything violent to her. She did just keep saying, hey, please don't put your hands on me. Um, I don't think anyone put their hands on her. But but it <clears throat> very much from that view was uh, was uh, that they did not want. Yeah, another interesting tidbit that I wanted to share quick, quickly is, is the center uh, of the zone, which I mentioned earlier, is a park. When I was there, it was actually blocked off. Uh, and there was volunteers surrounding it, probably spaced exactly six feet apart, surrounding the park. Uh, and uh, it was a, a zone for, uh, for that was roped off for, for black people only to go inside the, the park and actually sit down and, and have conversations, I guess, with each other, or have, a, have a safe haven. But uh, it was a very interesting dynamic uh, because many of the volunteers are, you know, from different backgrounds and ethnicities and, and, and races and, uh, really interesting dynamic to see a zone, you know, in the middle of shop that was really reserved for, uh, for, for, for black people only. And there, there was no pictures allowed, there was no video allowed, uh, of any kind. And I, and I, and I imagine that that's mostly aimed at the media. All right. I want to get your thoughts on, since we have you, we've got about, I don't know, 22, 23 minutes left. Um, you're out there on the crazy, wacky West Coast, and and uh, you know we we're here in Mississippi, where by God, people are digging their heels in on a on a flag that oh uh, gosh, that, don't get that started. Just, that just defies all logic. So, I, I want to get your thoughts on just a handful of the things that we talk about all the time. One is the the presidential election. I know that we're in a state that's going to go for for Trump almost certainly. You're in a state that is not going to go for Trump. Um, what almost is certainly. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not even almost certainly. It's just not. Um, what What is the sentiment, just man-on-the-street sentiment about the president in Seattle, Washington? Oh, man, it's funny you bring that up because there's a lot of rural parts of Washington. You know, you've, you've got Seattle, obviously. Sure. Um, and then you've got some other major cities in the Pacific Northwest, right, where they obviously tend to lead, lean more liberal. But there's a lot of rural parts in Portland and, and I mean, in Oregon and Washington, um, and, and some of these folks are die hard Trump supporters, man. They, they live up in the mountains. They, they, they live out in the middle of nowhere. And I guess Trump uh, appeals to the, to the blue collar, you know, hardworking rural, rural, rural folks. But amongst my community, you're absolutely right. And, and amongst, I would say the majority of the state, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. I think that there's no way that, 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 you know, we're, that, that we're going to go anywhere close to Trump from, from a, from an election standpoint, but I, you know, my personal thoughts, I don't want to project the whole state. I, I find it to be a really tough election to be hundred percent honest with you. I think that uh, my generation, I think is doing a lot of really good things. There's a lot of bad things in my generation, a lot, a lot of laziness, a lot of not taking a responsibility to be honest with you. But I think a lot of the thoughts are coming from a good place. A lot of the ideas are coming from a good place of, uh, you know, inclusiveness and, and diversity and, and treating folks, giving, you know, all types of folks with backgrounds, with different backgrounds and races and ethnicities, equal opportunity, which, you know, I'm in full support of. And I, and I think that that's, that's fantastic. I don't see a 
great option for this for this for this election to be 100 honest with, with with you guys i wish you know i mean i would vote for martin before i voted for one of these two folks boom at the expense of getting too personal with with with, with politics but I think that that makes it really tough for, for someone who's like me, you know, comes from maybe a, more of a conservative culture in terms of how I was, you know, uh, the culture I was in down south uh, growing up and maybe is a little bit more moderate to, 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 to liberal and how I and how I think and view the world these days, having had different experiences. Uh, man, it makes it really tough for someone like me. You know, you don't know where to go. You don't know which way to lean. Uh, and it just really doesn't seem like there's a great option. There's not. <laughs> it's, it's 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 uh it's a terrible option right now it's it's the the choices are awful i i thought the weekend was was fascinating on so many levels the trump rally in 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 tulsa which he had hyped up for the better part of a week his staff had hyped up for the better part of a couple of weeks it was it was a dud they they expected an overflow crowd. They had prepared literally an overflow stage and had planned to bring he and the vice president onto this overflow stage. He's on Air Force One and his people are telling him, hey, uh, there's nobody there. Yeah, they did the low flyby on Air Force One expecting a, uh, a big crowd to be cheering, I think, and realize that there's not anybody there. You know, I actually have a, a, a few personal friends in, in Tulsa, Neil, who, who, uh, who, who told me that they didn't that they were very nervous about the rally expected a lot of violence you know in, in the in, in the current with the current events going on today yeah. uh for trump to come in and do like his first real rally for for this election season i think that uh you know a lot of my friends dipped and they, and they went over or, you know they'd left the city for the weekend uh in a little bit of fear which is just wild to, to, to think about and i to be honest with you i was expecting I think some more protesting or, or violence uh, than what actually occurred. It actually ended up just being kind of kind of comical. <laughs> the things that interested me from it were what you said, and then it shows you that the fact that a lot of people didn't want to crowd into that arena tells you that there's no doubt that there is a coronavirus fear among people, especially in enclosed spaces, mask or no mask. And then on the flip side, the television ratings from that rally were pretty high a lot of people watched the rally we've as a country sort of counted this guy out four years ago at about this time i think if you go back to this time in 2016 and said hey who's going to win the election all three of us would have been like oh hillary's gonna win dude Got this, in the thing, bag. this yep. thing's over <laughs> and that's what we're saying now and and look i think it's a different deal i think i think trump as a as a candidate is in trouble that's my personal opinion I, i'm not i'm not a I'm not a political guy, but, but it, it, I mean, I'm not a, an expert, but it, it's just kind of funny to, to see the juxtaposition to that. There's this, there's a tendency on the part of the media to go see nobody showed up. He's done. And then you see the TV ratings and you're like, well, there is interest and there's still a long way to go between now and November. And we talked about how April feels like a million miles, a million years ago. Yep. What's today, June the 23rd. I mean, on August, yeah, August the 23rd, which will be my dad's birthday. Happy birthday in advance, Dad. Um, on August the 23rd, we're going to look back, I think, and go, man, June, that feels like a couple of years ago. Right. And, you know, and, and, and then in August, we're still going to have two and a half months till the election. Yeah, which is wild. You know, Neil, it's, 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 it's cool to think about. So a lot of my friends, I'm, I'm, for those that don't know, I'm 26 years old. So a, a lot of my friends are, have been raised in very conservative from a cultural standpoint, uh, conservative backgrounds are from, you know, down south, whether it be Tennessee, Arkansas, Mississippi. Uh, that's where most of my closest friends are, are called home. And, you know, in conversations I'm having with them, you know, it's it's really interesting to see what's happening in, 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 in the brains of folks that are in my generation around my age. I mean, these folks who, even in the last election, are like, yeah, we're probably more you know, on, on the side of Trump, just because, you know, from an economic standpoint, from a religious standpoint, maybe, uh, not, you know, voting for Trump. Now, even these people, you know, the most conservative people that I know are like, man, if there was another option, I sure as heck wouldn't vote for Trump. And and, and I find that really interesting to have happened in, in, in the last four years. I think even a lot of the, the, the most conservative of my peers uh, 
are looking for an alternative, which tells you something. It does. Well, you know what it tells you, Clayton? I, I, if you go through American history, we're, we're a really young country. And if you go through American history from the very beginning of our political system, from George Washington's unanimous election in 1783, I guess, or whatever, whatever that was. I'm not going to be able to fact check you on that. I'll trust you. <laughs> but, but if you go back to that, there have always been sort of markers in the sand uh, where a new party emerged. And it kind of feels, and I know this, the Democratic Party and the Republican Party are both so incredibly strong. I, I get that, but uh, it kind of feels like we're at that place where there's a lot of people maybe who belong ideologically to both parties who feel a little lost. And uh, that's me, Neil. And I, man, how, gosh, I, what do you call it? The Common Sense Party? I think it's time for that third party to, 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 to. To, to be formed at just the people who have common sense, who just understand that this makes sense and, and that doesn't. We, I think it's time that the, the hyperbolic and drastic way that these parties are split in today's world is, I think, I think dangerous, headed down a, a, a dangerous road. Yeah, I don't, I don't like, I don't like the rhetoric between, between the two parties. I don't, I don't like the rhetoric. People, it, it's funny. You, I had an experience in my gym yesterday. I've, I've just gotten back to a place where I'm pretty comfortable going back to my gym and I'm, I'm not particularly worried about it. And, you know, if you listen to the media, you're told that there's all this racial animus and I don't ever really experience that. Now I'll, I'll freely admit, I don't, I've never lived life as a black guy. I was, I was born a white guy. I've been a white guy my whole life. Um, that's my, that's my, that's my experience. It is what it is. Um, but like the, there were these two African-American guys in my gym, one that I talked to all the time, who's maybe the nicest guy there. I mean, we're talking and I'm telling him my back's been bothering me. And he's like, hey, man, have you tried this? Uh, I can't remember the name of the stuff. It's like a Bengay kind of a thing. And we're just having this conversation. And I'm thinking to myself, if you listen to the media, you'd think these kind of conversations never happen. And he's not thinking to me, as, oh, I'm talking to this white guy. I'm not thinking of him as I'm talking to this black guy. I'm just talking to this guy that I see at my gym. And that's where we cross paths and we're cool. I mean, we're not like best pals. I don't even know that we know each other's names, but we know each other's faces and we speak at the gym and we're friendly. And the, the, I, there's, again, I'm not to pile on the media here, but there's, there's a lot of, a, a lot of media coverage would, would lend you to believe that that kind of thing never happens. And, and I think it's pretty common. Yeah. We need a, we need a third party. We need a common sense party. And you know what we need most of all, in my opinion, is we need a common sense television network who's going to report the facts uh and 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 stop trying to, to, to spin it one way or the other the problem is we all know what rules everything it's in the title of this podcast money, it's money yes. right it's views do, it's do, clicks do, do, and do, do, do. unfortunately you know uh that that's that's what's going to continue to drive yeah <laughs> you got to pay the bills you know you, you got to pay the bills and uh it's unfortunate i wish there was a way to, to find an independent uh, non, non non story driven network that would go out and report the facts. That would be really beneficial for for folks like me, Neil. I'm a young individual who, like you said, you you made a great point. Some Republican ideas I think are fantastic. Some ideas in the Democratic Party I think make a lot of sense and are fantastic too. But I'm forced to choose and sacrifice on a lot of things that, uh, frankly, that I you know that I'm that I'm not okay with, and it makes it really difficult for for I think. Uh, someone like me who, who who kind of sits in the middle and doesn't know which way to turn. All right. Another thing that we talk about a lot, got about 10, 11 minutes left with you. We talk a lot about schools coming back, about sports coming back. You're there in a, in a major uh, metropolitan area. The NFL has a franchise there. The major league baseball has a franchise there. Uh, the NBA does not have a franchise there, which is another topic for another day. <laughs> Um, MLS has a franchise there. Yeah, MLS is there. Um, We're getting a hockey team too, NHL soon. Oh wow, cool. Nice. Um, University of Washington's there. It's Pac, Pac-12, all that stuff. What are you hearing just in Seattle about, and in the state of Washington about, as we get closer to July and and subsequently August, which has always come after July. It might not in 2020, <laughs> but it, <laughs> right. It, it might it not is, in 2020. Aliens. Yeah. August is not a, we, I don't take that for granted. Um, 
But if August comes, that's usually when kids go back to school. That's when colleges reopen. That's when football practices begin. That's when uh, NFL training camps are going on, all that stuff. What, what's just kind of the barometer there about those topics? It, yeah, it, I, I love talking about this because I find it so fascinating. I think I find it fascinating because we just really don't know what's going to happen. None, nobody does, you know, and Man, if I had to guess, up here, if there's been any indication of what would happen if we tried to have an NFL season, uh, let's say that, you know, they, they, they open the Seahawks Stadium to, to, to fans, there's been any indication of what people, how people would respond. I think it's been the, the fact that bars are open now, and then bars are packed, packed, you know? I'm walking yeah. around my neighborhood, and, uh, I mean, I don't want to make – people, I think, are still doing their 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 their, their best to, to social distance, standing in line, waiting to get a drink. You know, you don't get the crowds at the bar like you used to. It's a little more orderly fashion. But, man, people are not scared to go out. People are, are ready to, to find some sense of normalcy again and up, up here. And I think that, that that rhetoric remains true across the entire country. And I think that you would find an appetite for people who wanted to attend a major league sports game uh, whether that's NFL, MLB, uh, anything, um, and, and, and would go. And I think it's going to happen, Neil. I think the major league sports are going to happen. My biggest concern is, is amateur athletics. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I have ridden the optimism, pessimism seesaw for four months now on, on this story. Right. It's the only story I've covered, really. Uh, there haven't been games. There haven't been practices. There's been nothing to really talk about. Everybody goes, where's the depth chart? I'm like, dude, there's no nothing. I mean, there's no, there's no reason to, there's no reason to talk about preview a season that might not happen. Right. At the right. college level, the one thing that really scares me, and I've heard it now two or three times in the last week is these college people saying, well, how many, how many severe illnesses are too many? Is, is one too many? Is, yeah. three, is three too many? I'm like, whoa, whoa, hold up, hold up. So you're telling me that if one kid gets bad sick, that's too much shit. We can't can't play? Well, if and that's I've, the case, you should not even start because that's going to happen. Yeah, you know? it's, it's, well, yeah. it's going to happen in the same way that and, – and I had people yell at me when I did this. I said, so wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We, we play football every year. Every year we have this bloodlust for football. I do it, you do it, we all do it to different degrees. Some kid at some high school somewhere is going to suffer a spinal cord injury playing football this year. Mm -hmm. We know that. So sh should we cancel the games? Should we cancel yeah. all the seasons? I mean, is, is and, and as well, you know, the spinal cord injuries are not, are not uh, contagious. Oh, okay. But the point sort of still remains, um, you know, kids are going to get the flu. Stuff's going to happen. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know where we're going with it. I, I'm, I do agree with you about professional sports. I do would love to see the politicizing of professional sports go away where to me, and I know this is, this is maybe this is crazy. So you tell me you're a 26 year old guy. I think you're smarter, a little more worldly than I am. I'm this old dude who's almost <laughs> dead. You're up in Seattle. I'm, I'm not, I'm for opening the stadium having people basically say, Hey, look, you know, on the ticket, it says that this, the, the franchise is not responsible for a COVID related yep. infection. The, uh, the stadium is open air there in Seattle, uh, the reputation for being very loud. The fans are, are very involved, et cetera. Basically where if 26 year old Clayton wall, who appears to be healthy, even after his trip to chop, uh, <laughs> He, if, if he wants to go to the game and assume that level of risk, if you will, cool. And if he doesn't want to go to the game because he's a little worried about the risk, okay. Watch it on his couch. I mean, that's what I prefer to do anyway. I mean, if that's the best seat in the, in the world is right here on the couch with the flat screen TV, no line for the bathroom, no line for a beer. But, no, I hear you, and I agree with you, and I think that's the way that it should be, Neil, and I think that that's the way that it will be. For major league sports like i said the problem that i have is amateur athletics how do you ask um you know uh amateur athletes who are not paid who are not compensated uh who a lot of times are under 21 years of age uh to go out and compete and and you know be put at risk of what this you know is an extremely contagious and potentially dangerous virus now if you're paying nfl athletes uh, giving them the choice of, hey, you don't have to play. You can play if you want to get paid, and, and if you want to play, 
that to me is a different story and one that I think with the general public will sit a, a, a lot better. I think you're going to find a lot more protests, a lot more outrage uh, if we start to see any sort of spread amongst the amateur athletics, which, which we will, is, 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 is a great point that, that you made. You know, I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not if, it's when, and, and, and it's how bad. Do you, are you hearing that University of Washington will be open to students in August? That, they're planning on opening in August, uh, the, the last that I heard. But uh, I'm not an official University of Washington spokesperson, so I know this podcast is, does crazy numbers. Don't get me don't get me in trouble from from UW. But uh, yeah, they, they they are planning on opening from from everything that I've heard so far, and uh, you know, we'll see. Here's my one fear about colleges. Like my Campbell's going to be at the University of Arkansas as a sophomore. She's going to be living in the Cuyahoga house. And they've already told them, hey, look, if you get COVID, you have to go quarantine for two weeks. Wow. Where? And so my question was like, okay, where? How does that work? <laughs> so you know college kids are going to get together. They haven't, in many cases, seen each other since March. They're going to get together. They're going to go to parties. They're going to do stupid things that college kids do. I do think there'll be a lot of kids will be smarter than maybe they would have been. They'll be careful. Like Campbell said, bid day is going to be different, things like that. But, you know, they're going to go out. They're going to do, they're going to do stuff. They're going to, they're going to be college kids. They're going to cram into a fraternity house and stuff like that, because that's what college kids do. And so if you have a quote outbreak, I just want to see these universities say, Hey, it's okay. We're going to, here's where we're going to, we're going to, we're going to we got this dorm over here. We can put them. Let it just let it be calm down and then just kind of get back into the flow of it as opposed to, Oh God, Oh God, we have to shut it down. And then you shut everybody down you kick everybody off campus and you start the process of forming the committee to form a super committee, to form another committee, to reconvene at some point later. It's a tough job. I know we're coming up on time here. It's a tough job. And I'm not, I'm not jealous of the person who has to make that decision, whether it's the chancellor, president of the university, Neil, because the question is, which side do you want to be wrong on? That's what I would ask myself, you know, if I was having to make that decision, do, do I want to be wrong in, in, in a cautious manner or do I want to be, you know, the university that is made an example of by the rest of the country, you know, that, uh, that we, we, we let it go and too many cases spread. And then we had, you know, multiple deaths of, of college students, unfortunately, or something of that nature, you know, that, that's what's going to be in, in the back of every single chancellor's mind who's having to make that decision is, is, you know, they don't want to be wrong on the on the wrong side, uh, right. for, for lack of a better word. So it'll be very interesting to see. Uh, you know, but think about the Cayo House. I mean, you, you brought it up, or, or worse, the fraternity houses. I lived in a fraternity house for three years in college, and, man, if one person got a cold, the whole house had a cold. I mean, it was disgusting, you know? Like, there was 75 guys crammed into a fraternity house, and it's like, you can imagine that, right? <laughs> like, sure, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, and those, those buildings are – are typically kind of old and, and uh, or maybe not, you know, at certain schools, but across the country, I mean, it typically are. I use the example of Stockard and Martin here on the Ole Miss campus. And, right. and uh, you know, Campbell lived at Reed Hall on, on the Arkansas campus. Those are old buildings that are Petri dishes. And, you know, I mean, the kids are kids are going, if uh, the flu is going to pass around a building, uh, uh, you know, that's one of the reasons that I've, been sort of optimistic about it is if you if you go under the theory that the coronavirus was you know in oxford and in fayetteville and startville and wherever in in um in february where are all the sick kids they, they they didn't get sick i mean they were and they were all crammed into dorms and fraternity houses and sorority houses and stuff but that's going to happen again and i don't know i'm i'm i, I catch myself sort of weary of the entire story knowing that we've got an, another complete round of it to cover well, let me ask you one more question if you don't mind sure uh so i've got a bet going on with some of my friends and, and i'd love to get your both of your thoughts on this we're talking about the college football season only we'll say sec because that's what's closest to home for for, for a lot of the amount of my money listeners i'm sure um sec football over under if you had, if you were a betting man and had to bet, let's set the over under at six games are played this year. What do you take? Do you take the over or under? I very cautiously breath held take the over. Okay. Mark? If you made the over under 10, I'd go under. Ooh, that's interesting. So you're somewhere between the six and 10, Mark. 
on I took the under. I took the under, and I think we're going to get about four games in, Neil, before there's some sort of outbreak and everyone freaks out and panics and they just shut the season down. That's what, if I had to guess, that's what I'm guessing. My question to you, if you're right, is are you hiring? Because I, I might, I might need, I might need work. I mean, I, don't, <laughs> <laughs> I might need to come up and work at chop. For a while. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know how they're paying people, Neil, but yeah. there are a lot of donations <laughs> they, of food and water you and grilled yeah. cheese. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Martin, what, what do you take over under six uh, games? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say over on on the six games. Um, you know, I'm really interested too in and what happens to the rest of the sports. So if you think about like, I mean, uh, girls soccer at Ole Miss. Let's just be totally honest. Not a huge crowd um, at those games. So are they a? Is there a significant chance of widespread? you know, panic there or widespread, oh my gosh, widespread panic. That was a Freudian slip, uh, widespread outbreak, <laughs> uh, you know, at, at those games. I don't think so. You know, there's not a lot of crowds at a football game. Yeah. But then if they shut down football, you know, is, does football fund girls soccer? See, I don't understand all the budget stuff and where cash and money. Yes, flows, if, there, so. if there's no football, Martin, there's no nothing. If okay. there's no football, they won't play anything. Uh, football funds everything at a place like Ole Miss. If you take football away, it's 80 to 90 percent of the budget. And it's that way at just about every SEC. Yeah, institution. and I knew it was a huge piece of the budget, but I just I didn't I've never looked at the how the cash flow works there. So they, they would not even start the other sports. Gotcha. Cool. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. Uh, Clayton, thanks so much for the time. It was fascinating stuff. We'd, uh, we'd love to get you on again a little later in the, in the fall, perhaps. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. I, I really appreciate it. Happy to join anytime. I'm a big fan of, uh, mine on my money and, uh, all the other things that are going on under the Oxford Exxon, Exxon label. So keep doing your thing. It's, uh, it's great to have some, something to listen to and, and some, some, some entertainment, even if it's not necessarily always about, about sports, uh, during, uh, you know, during this weird time. Yeah, I, well, I appreciate that. Yeah, thanks. Uh, for Martin Palomo, I'm Neil McCready. That does it for this edition of Mind on My Money, presented by Pinnacle Trust. Don't forget, you can go to pintrust.com. That's P-I-N-N trust.com. Uh, get in touch with those guys at Pinnacle Trust. Tell them that you heard about Pinnacle Trust on the Mind on My Money podcast, and you'll get 10% off your first year's fees. Until next week, take care.